welcome to the podcast on church music. I'm D. Ray McClellan, professor of music at the University of Georgia. My wife Erica and I are longtime church musicians and members of Covenant Presbyterian Church, OPC, in Beaufort, Georgia. This is podcast number one, The Language of Music. How does music communicate? Has God said anything in Holy Scripture about the language of music? Do we have anything to learn from a study of music in the Bible? I suggest that the answer to these questions is yes. God has spoken in the Bible about music. The Lord gives us details in Scripture that bring insight into how music communicates. In order to have a better understanding of church music, I'd like to talk about how music works. First and foremost, looking to the scriptures, then to reformers and theologians, and finally, from current research. I'm going to demonstrate that music is an emotional language, and that music is also a universal language, transcending and communicating powerfully across cultures. Derek Cook, British musicologist, said, Whatever else the mysterious art known as music may eventually be found to express, it is primarily and basically a language of the emotions. The Bible is in accord with this consensus. Of the more than 600 references to music in the scripture, the majority connected with some kind of emotional experience. I'll share some examples of this, starting with Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice the connection between music, singing, to grace or gratitude. Grace being an emotional state based on a person's mindset. And it is connected to the word heart. Baker's Dictionary points out that heart occurs over 1,000 times in the Bible. It denotes a person's center for both physical and emotional, intellectual, and moral activities. So the connection to the heart is a connection to the emotions, emotions based hopefully on fine spiritual characteristics and actions. Another example is Ephesians 5.19 singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Psalm 95 verses 1 to 2 say, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Here we have the connection of singing to the emotions of joy, thanksgiving, and a really emotional word, extol, which means to praise enthusiastically. Nehemiah 12.27 reads, At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication of songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. This passage links the emotions of celebration, joy, and thanksgiving to singing, and it links the emotions to instrumental music as well. So those are just a few examples from the many verses of Scripture 
that show that music is, indeed, an emotional language. This brings us to our second point. Music is a universal language. The testimony of Scripture shows that the Lord assumes a universal language of music that communicates emotions and more. In the book of Job, chapter 30, verse 31, the Lord describes certain music, or tunes, conveying certain types of emotions or activity. And it contains some of the strongest demonstrations that music is mentioned in the Bible as an emotional language. It reads, My harp has become mourning, and my flute the sound of weeping. As with all instruments, the harp and the flute are capable of making a variety of sounds. But in this verse, the harp is turned to mourning, and it is the same with the flute, to the voice of those who weep. This is an objective description of musical sounds referencing human emotions. In this passage, the tunes played on the instruments are what turns the instrument into mourning and weeping. I'd like to address a possible objection. Some might suggest that it's possible that the tone of the instruments themselves are what conveys the described mood, not the melodies that they play. In other words, in Job 30.31, when the harp is associated with the sound of mourning and the flute the sound of weeping, could that be referring to the sound qualities of the instruments rather than the musical properties in the tune? The answer is found when we allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. John Macagena answers this question very well in his book, Measuring the Music. The biblical passages do not refer to sound qualities, but to the type of melody that is played on the instruments. This is because the same instrument that embodies sadness in some passages personifies happiness in others. For example, the harp in Job 30.31 becomes mourning, but in Psalm 81 verse 2, the same instrument appears in the context of joy and praise and is called the pleasant harp. Likewise, the flute in Job 30.31 becomes the sound of weeping, but in Job 21.12, it accompanies rejoicing, and they rejoiced at the sound of the flute. Therefore, when the Bible identifies specific emotions with musical instruments, it is not referring to their tonal qualities, but to the melodies produced on them, melodies that express those emotional qualities through sound. I've left a link to John Macagina's excellent book below the podcast. I'd like to direct your attention to the certainty in which musical communication is spoken about in Scripture. Whatever is being played is linked by God in Scripture to specific emotions. Not only does God assume universal musical communication, but I would like to suggest that mankind, as a part of general revelation, knows this by nature. I believe that I'm explaining something that my listeners already know to some extent, and this discussion is simply revealing it in more detail and with evidence. Let's look at the Orthodox Presbyterian Church Directory of Public Worship. The writers assumed the concept of universals in music and musical communication.
It reads, In the choice of song for public worship, great care must be taken that all the materials of song are fully in accord with the scriptures. The words are to be suitable for the worship of God, and the tunes are to be appropriate to the meaning of the words and to the occasion of public worship. Care should be taken to the end that the songs chosen will express those specific truths and sentiments which are appropriate at the time of their use in the worship service. The concepts of musical communication and universals seem to be assumed and very well expressed in the directory of public worship. Back in the 1500s, John Calvin made a similar statement. And in truth, we know by experience that singing has great force and vigor to move and inflame the hearts of men to invoke and praise God with the more vehement and ardent zeal. Care must always be taken that the song be neither light nor frivolous, but that it have weight and majesty, as St. Augustine says. And also, there is a great difference between music which one makes to entertain men at table and in their houses, and the psalms which are sung in the church in the presence of God and his angels. Thank you to that Frenchman, John Calvin. Now let's hear from Luther. For whether you wish to comfort the sad, to terrify the happy, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate, what more effective means than music could you find? Luther thought that music had the ability to communicate all of those things, comfort, terror, encouragement, humility, calmness, and appeasement for those full of hate. As we go in this series, I will give further explanations and use musical examples to show why Luther and others were correct in their claims that music can communicate a wide range of emotions. The subject of universals in music has recently been taken up by secular universities, but not from the music departments, from the departments of psychology. Uh, for example, Harvard did a study in 2019 entitled Universality and Diversity in Human Song. The conclusion from the Harvard study reads, Music is in fact universal. It exists in every society, both with and without words. It varies more within than between societies and regularly supports certain types of behavior and has acoustic features that are systematically related to the goals and responses of singers and listeners. In a paper published in the journal Current Biology, researchers from Harvard University in the U.S. and New Zealand's Victoria University of Wellington say that songs with a similar purpose, love songs, lullabies, or dance music, tend to sound similar no matter which culture they come from. The findings are consistent with the existence of universal links between form and function in vocal music, the researchers say. Quote, Despite the staggering diversity of music influenced by countless cultures and readily available to the modern listener, our shared human nature may underlie basic musical structures that transcend our cultural differences, 
says the report's lead author, psychologist Samuel Mayer from Harvard. In their first experiment, the researchers asked 750 internet users in 60 countries to listen to 14-second excerpts of songs. The songs were selected from 86 predominantly small-scale societies, such as the Fulani people in Africa and the Blackfoot Indians from North America. They also spanned a wide array of geographic areas designed to reflect a broad sampling of human cultures. After listening to each excerpt, participants answered six questions indicating their perceptions of the function of each song on a six-point scale. The questions evaluated the degree to which listeners believed that each song was used. The possible uses offered were dancing, soothing a baby, healing an illness, expressing love for another person, mourning the dead, and telling a story. In fact, none of the songs were used in mourning or to tell a story. The options were included to discourage listeners from assuming that only four song types were actually present. Participants listened to more than 26,000 excerpts and provided more than 150,000 ratings. Despite listeners' unfamiliarity with the societies represented, the random sampling of each excerpt, short duration, and the enormous diversity of the music, the ratings demonstrated accurate and cross-culturally reliable inferences about the songs on the basis of their forms alone. In addition to the Harvard study and the New Zealand study, UC Berkeley in California conducted a similar study and reached similar conclusions. These are major studies with enormous databases and thousands of human subjects from all over the world. They confirm what is known instinctively by most people and confirms the testimony of scripture as we have seen. Music is indeed a universal language and communicates messages across cultures. Since we know that music communicates messages, and singing is a commanded element of worship, and, in general, a good part of the Christian life, a good question to ask is, how does music communicate messages to us? We can find a brief answer in the musical introduction of the Trinity Psalter hymnal by Dr. Timothy Schaefer, professor of music at Penn State University, and an elder at Resurrection OPC, State College, Pennsylvania. He says, Melodies are made up of pitches that rise and fall, sometimes slowly, sometimes rapidly, sometimes by step, and sometimes by leap. The infinite number of combinations of these melodic features, combined with the choice of accompanying harmony notes, work together to create the sounds that imitate the motions of the nonverbal body language that human beings manifest when they experience certain feelings. For example, a sad person will quite commonly exhibit body language that includes slow movement, a downward countenance and posture, and a soft and smooth tone of voice. By contrast, a joyful or victorious person will manifest upward body language, including jumping and raising arms, raised eyebrows, relatively rapid motions or speech, and often a loud tone of voice. 
Such exhibits of body language are universal, transcending time and culture. John Makagina points out, The reason that musical universals can be anchored in feelings and emotions is because emotions are generally alike in people of all races and cultures. Children throughout the world feel the same physical and emotional sensations when they cry. Likewise, people of every variety experience fear, in a biological sense, the same way. Change of heart rate, adrenaline flow, blood pressure, muscle tension, even facial expression. Chinese sad-lookingness is much the same as French sad-lookingness. The identical thing could be said of happiness and anger. I'd like to end by referencing again what Dr. Schaefer said. The infinite number of combinations of musical features combine to create the sounds that imitate the motions of human body language when they experience certain feelings. That is primarily how music connects with emotion. I hope this has been a profitable time discussing how, number one, music is an emotional language, and number two, music is a universal language. Item number three of my outline will be covered in future podcasts. It states, Therefore, the church should be self-conscious and even self-critical when selecting their musical settings. My next podcast will be The Language of Music Part 2, where we will deal with how music communicates to us in biological and practical terms. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.